Teach me about the Great Lakes. Teach me about the Great Lakes. Welcome back to Teach Me About the Great Lakes, an exactly monthly podcast in which I get people who are smarter, harder working, and occasionally better looking than I am to teach me all about the Great Lakes. And this is actually our second episode this month of our monthly podcast because we're doing more about our buoys. Cannot be more excited to talk about the buoys, but here to talk about them with me, as always, is Hope Charters. Hope, what's up? Oh, hey. <laughs> You're very excitable today. I love very it. Very excitable. I got multiple hours of sleep. We're recording this on Cinco de Mayo. I'm going to log off and get me a spicy Rita soon. A couple of tacos. Life is grande. I'm Which means big, tacos, doesn't right? it? <sighs> My Spanish yeah, is... Yeah, failed on that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Just as... Uh, uh, excellent. No, we're getting punchy now. What are we, eight or nine weeks into this, right? And uh, it's starting to get... Real. Yeah, this pandemic's a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. So anything goofier than normal, I blame on the pandemic. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, we're really excited to talk today uh, about the buoys. We're going to bring on Jay Begley, who is our aquatic ecology specialist, and he is Mr. Buoy at Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. And so I'm super excited to talk to him. Uh, but before I do a couple of housekeeping things, you know, it's been a while, and I want to do it now at the beginning of the show rather than at the end of the show for various reasons that may become apparent. Uh that uh, it's been a while since I've asked you to do the rate and the review thing. So can you take a minute right now, uh, pause, we'll still be here and go and like do a rating, five-star rating and write a review, write a review <laughs> of the podcast. Um, I mean, don't do it if it's not going to be five stars. <laughs> I didn't ask them to not do it. If it's not, I asked them to leave a five-star rating. I, I was very clear in my directive. Um, if you need to double check, rewind the podcast, go back to the instructions, but they were, yeah, five-star rating. And uh, review. If you have a nice little review, that'd be super because it helps people find our show. And uh, we are a extraordinarily moderately successful podcast and we're as moderately successful as we need to be. But uh, we'd love to have more listeners because uh, the more the merrier. So uh, one, please do that. Uh, two, another housekeeping item is if you want to uh, have any questions or, you know, things you'd like to talk about, uh, you can um, – uh, do a hashtag on Twitter. Uh, and that hashtag is ask great lakes. If you hit that up, um, we'll see it there. You can send it to our, our Twitter account. We'll have all that in the, the show, uh, notes, um, which you can find at our website at www.teachmeaboutthegreatlakes.com slash 11, the number 11, because this is episode 11, or just look down at your podcast player. Now, I think we we're actually going to do an episode though. So let's do the episode housekeeping aside, um, right after a single note guitar intro. Our guest today is Jay Begley, aquatic ecology specialist with Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. Jay, what's up? Oh, you know, getting ready for buoy time of year. It's sort of its own holiday for me. Spring and fall is buoy time, so uh, uh, trying to get uh, ready. So, so when is buoy time? You normally put them out during the spring and retrieve them during the fall. What kind of drives that? A lot of it has to do with the, the weather. So we need to make sure that we don't have ice potential. So yeah. the, the buoys can't be out in the ice or it'll start to sink them. So in the spring, usually that's mid-April. We shoot for mid-April and then we look for a couple days of really good weather to take the buoys out. And then the fall... Usually we start looking for a good weather day at the end of October okay. and sometimes that takes the whole month of November and sometimes it doesn't. So <laughs> takes, 
Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. So, so right now, no buoys out right now. What's the deal with that? We keep getting email. Uh, where are my buoys, Jay? Yeah, so we've had a couple issues with getting the buoys out this year related to COVID-19. The biggest is that the university doesn't want people within six feet of each other. And it takes three people on a boat at a minimum to get the buoys out. And the boats are not big enough. And the work is not um, conducive to us being six foot apart. So we, we struggle with that. And also we rely on a lot of volunteers to get the buoys in and out of the water. And it's, it's not worth the risk to volunteers to have them go out and deploy the buoys for us. So, so we're waiting for the university to give us a, a clear sight or clear oversight on what we should do. And uh, we're waiting for good weather and yeah. the, the usual. So Yeah, I, I'm also waiting for good weather. Um, <laughs> but uh, we did have multiple good weather days. So it um, is it a thing where it, so it's just not safe to put them out? Um, well, I mean, maybe physically not safe if there's bad weather, but you're just worried about uh, disease transmission and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the biggest concern right now. Um, with the location of the buoys, where they're at in the winter is down in West Lafayette. So we have to trailer them up to the lake. And then that would take multiple trucks right now because you have to have one person per vehicle. And then actually working on the boat with that many people is difficult under these conditions. Um, and the buoys still have some maintenance stuff that needs done that's been delayed because we've been requested to work off campus. So the, bu the buoys are on campus. They needed work done and we haven't been able to do some of that work. And why did you say that you can't leave them out for the winter? Something about the ice? Yeah, so the ice will actually build up on top of the buoys and slowly sink them. Uh, if you look on Twitter, the the two yellow buoys Twitter account and my Twitter account, um, you'll see some footage from last year where we were a little late getting them out and some ice had built up and they were sitting pretty low in the water. So it doesn't take a whole lot of ice to start to sink the buoy. <laughs> and then and then the costs of repair and retrieval go up exponentially from Have there, you ever had so. one actually sink? No, thankfully. That is <laughs> that has not been a problem yet. So honestly, the ice builds up on the top of them before the lake like freezes around them. So so we have time to get to them, but they're it gets kind of sketchy. And so how do you do you, so the boys have cameras, right? Is that how you tell, or is it just kind of your own gut instinct or, uh, you know, do you, you don't have drones, you can fly out there. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, we can't tell. Honestly, we just have to base it on air temperature and this, the sea state. So if it's really wavy and really cold, we know that those waves are going to be splashing water up on it. And that's going to be freezing into ice. Even when we picked up the buoys that had a lot of ice build up on them, the solar panels were still charging the batteries fully through the ice. So that didn't even tell us whether or not they were covered in ice. So there's not really a good way to tell at this point. Dang. It is kind of cool, though, that you use the data from the buoys to tell whether or not the buoys are ready to come in. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if they had a little ice indicator on them. <laughs> so what do they, that's, that actually is a really good question. So I, I don't know a ton about these buoys. I know they exist and, and they're, they're cool. And then we get data from them that is used. Uh, and we talked to Tom Coombs, a meteorologist um, in uh, South Bend with uh, ABC 57 over there. And he said that the buoy data is really important to him. 
but so I know that they're getting like temperature and, uh, you know, I know they got cameras. What other sensors are on the buoys that, uh, you know, what other data they collect? So the buoys are pretty customizable depending on what, what kind of features we want to put on them and the budget we have. So the Michigan City buoy has um, a temperature chain, which measures the temperature at different depths to the, clear to the lake bottom. And that kind of information is really useful to the fishermen on that side of the lake. Uh, that, but it doesn't have a camera. Instead, we use the camera off of the, the lighthouse there at Michigan City. And then the Wilmette buoy, it has a camera, but it doesn't have a temperature chain. Um, so they're slightly different there. But then the things that are the same are wave height, wave period, wave direction, wind speed, um, wind direction, wind gust, humidity, uh, pressure, uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Right. Surface water temperature, air temperature, um, and that's that's pretty standard. And I think most of our users are interested in the temperature, wave height, and uh, wind speed is usually the most common things. And you mentioned fishing people, not fishermen, because there are ladies too. Maybe we yes. should just call them anglers. Yes. Anglers. <laughs> anglers. anglers. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned anglers use the data. Who else uses the data? Uh, it's a, it's a pretty wide group. There's, um, a lot of sailors, especially along the, the Illinois side that use the buoys for, um, planning their trips or their races or whatever out of the various harbors over there. Um, the Coast Guard, especially the Wilmette Coast Guard, um, decides whether they can even deploy or not based on the wind speeds at that buoy. Um, so I think it's like 20 knots, anything over 20 knots, and they have to have the big cutter come down from Milwaukee for, for rescue services. So Wait, so they use uh, our buoy to figure out like if they can, what boat they need or whatever? Yeah, awesome. that's, yeah, they're pretty anxious when our buoy's not out there to, huh. to get well, it out there. tell them to go deploy so it this can... spring. They can deploy it for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have deployed it with us. So that's who I partner with and will met, so... Uh, the Wilmette Coast Guard Station takes me out on their boat and helps me deploy and retrieve that buoy. What good partners. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and ad additionally, the the harbor and the yacht club over there let me use their facilities and stuff. Um, and then on the Indiana side, we use the DNR station to launch all of our stuff and the Michigan City Port Authority to actually lower the buoy in the water. So we have a lot of support. Um, from the users, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it really is like a, a group effort. I was thinking about that. And that, that further makes the difficulty here, right, with trying to get them launched this spring, is that it's all these different organizations, all of whom probably have different uh, policies in terms of travel and in terms of, uh, you know, uh, who you can be around or not be around and, and stuff like that. So, so it's kind of the key strength is all these different people that we weave into the tapestry of the buoy deployment, but, but uh, it's a challenge when nobody can work together. Do you have any crazy stories about deployment? I know that you said that sometimes they're a little icy, but you haven't actually sunk one yet, which is great. Do you have any like just wild stories about going out on the water when it's insanely rough just to get a buoy or something? So I've been out a couple times when it's rougher than I would like, but that's, that just involves a lot of caution and taking your time um, and just making sure you're following all the steps in the correct order to, so that everyone's safe. But probably the, the most interesting thing we had happen was a couple of years ago when we tried to retrieve the Michigan City buoy, it was 
um, mid-November already. And we went out and there was three of us on the boat and we tried to hoist up the anchor chain, which is what we have to do to disconnect the buoy. And we could move it about eight or 10 feet and we needed to get it about uh, 35, 40 feet to make the connection. And it just wasn't moving. We were pulling so hard, the back of the boat was, you know, dropping down closer and closer <laughs> to the waterline. Holy hell. And, or holy and moly. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was fairly stressful and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we made two more trips up there just trying to, just different ideas. We had to untangle the, the line to get it unhooked. And ultimately we had to find divers to go up there. And this was the last week in November. So it was right after Thanksgiving, we found some divers to go up in dry suits. And it turned out that, um, uh, some, uh, anglers had wrapped their stainless steel leaders around our anchor line. And whereas the anchor line normally makes like an S curve up towards the surface and back down towards the bottom and then back to the surface that had all been tied together by the stainless steel wire and so it was making it so we couldn't pull it up at all. And we had divers, they had to go down two or three times cutting on the stainless steel wire. And it was, it was cold and miserable. Oh my goodness. And yeah, that does not took, sound fun. <laughs> it took a lot of trips and it was, we eventually got it, but it was um, very stressful trying to get that done. And the whole time I was thinking, by the time December gets here, there's going to be so much ice. We're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, um Luckily, we got it. We got it done. So. That's good. Sounds like you kept her cool. Yeah. Well, you had to. It was November in Illinois. <laughs> har, har, har. I'm still working on a you're yanking my chain joke related to that one. I'll let you know when I've got it. <laughs> but but it, it sounds weird, but like there are a number of these stories, right? Where it's like these are huge pieces of equipment uh, that are out there and you're having to deploy those and it and like it's kind of hazardous at times. It freaks me out. I'll be honest. Every time you say you're going to go out, I'm like, Oh, I would love for him to come back. Yeah. How big is one of these buoys? Like how big are they? Could you wrap your arms around it or are they way bigger than we imagine them actually being? So the base of the buoys is just a little bigger than I can wrap my arms around. So um, it's probably three foot across. So the diameter of that is, is a little bigger. Um, They stand about, depending on how much ice is on them anywhere from like <laughs> six to eight feet above the water. Um, and then oh, wow. they go and they go down about that far too. And they, they're weighted a little differently each buoy. Um, but they're about, uh, I'll say 700 pounds is probably the average for the, for the Wilmette and Michigan city buoys. Holy moly. So, so they're heavy. And so you're hauling like a 700 pound, what 15 foot long buoy <laughs> from what Flavia, Indiana up to Lake Michigan every year. Yeah, yes I am. Luckily they they take they come apart so I can take it into two pieces and put the lower half on a trailer and the upper half uh, in the back of a truck. Um typically we keep the Will Met one. We have a storage place over there that one of our por- partners lets us keep it keep the buoy at so we don't have to worry about that one. Um but this year we brought it back to do some annual um, maintenance and stuff like that. But yeah, normally we're hauling all that through Chicago and up to Michigan City to to try to assemble on the dock and then tow out. So <laughs> through Chicago traffic sounds terrible. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Jeez. Um, 
have you ever uh, have there ever been an issue with like boats hitting the buoy? Is that a problem? Are they you know in high traffic areas? Um, we don't have any confirmed boat strikes yet. Um, we do have <laughs> the buoys have six solar panels on them, and uh, in the years we've been doing this, which now has been ooh eight years, I want to say for the Michigan City one. Um, we have had two solar panels just disappear. So my guess is that a boat struck them and knocked them off, but that's, that's just a guess. It could have, it wasn't somebody going out and stealing a solar panel. (laughs) They would be, if they were to try to steal one, they wouldn't have much usable wire left on the end of it. It would be a, it would be quite a wasted effort. So um, especially for something you can probably get for 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Plus so. you could use your buoy cam as a, uh, yes, that's, <laughs> that's our hope, hope to deterrent. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Um, so you're talking about like, uh, all these different things that are on the buoy, all the different type of data they gather and some people are how they use them and things like that. But so let's think forward to the future, to the year 2000. And uh, like, what what is what is uh, what does buoy two thousand look like? Like, are there emerging technologies that you would like to get into the buoys at some point, or or what are you thinking in terms of where it might go? Well, I'll say for some of the buoys that we partner with, so off of Winthrop and Waukegan area, uh, Illinois Geological Survey have two buoys up there um, that collect some really interesting data, but it's not real clear how to display that in real time yet. And what those have on them is something called an acoustic Doppler profiler, and that measures underwater current. So it's kind of cool to know how the water is moving. And I could see that being really important for beachgoers and kayakers and and all those kinds of people, as well as um, people worried about coastal erosion. So having something like that on the buoys is great, but how to make it accessible in real time is, is still a challenge for us. So the challenge is like how to get people to be able to use the data from the let me the acoustic Doppler profiler. Even uh, figuring out how to display it in a way that's user friendly is more challenging because you'll have uh, velocities at different depths and different directions, and figuring out how to kind of three D animate that in real time is is real difficult. Huh. Sounds really cool, though. Definitely sounds like a uh, a buoy three thousand, not two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I like your optimism for my lifespan. Hope I appreciate that. <laughs> no, that is cool. And how much? How much? Like, why don't we have an acoustic Doppler profiler? How much does those cost? Ooh, that's getting outside of my range of knowledge, oh, but okay. I, I think there's somewhere between twenty and thirty grand. Okay. Well, I want an acoustic Doppler profiler, so we'll see. Okay. Uh, good luck growing that money tree (laughs) (laughs) speak of the devil you know we don't ask for much on this podcast all we ask is for you to occasionally give us a five-star rating and write a review um but the buoys are the the most popular thing that we do uh by many definitions when you look at our website traffic by an order of magnitude more people visit the buoys than visit anything else and uh but it jay has really described this like it's like you know, chewing gum and duct tape we're holding this together by. And and so uh, if, you know, you love our buoys or if you love our show, uh, really, uh, we would love it if you could go to iicgrant.org slash donate uh, and make a donation for the buoys because, uh, you know, um, they do need maintenance. They need acoustic Doppler profilers. We need gas and fuel to get them out there. 
Uh, and every year we are kind of like putting this stuff together, you know, with leftover funds, um, and, and, you know, savings from this project or that. So, uh, donations are wonderful. So if you do have a moment to go to iicgrant.org slash donate and, uh, uh, make any sort of donation, we would really appreciate that. Shameless plug, but we really do need the money. It was not that shameless. So um, I know that people do donate already and people help us out, like the partners you mentioned earlier. So is there anybody you want to give a shout out to um, as a thanks? Yeah, the Wilmette Coast Guard has been really helpful. Um, from day one, when I reached out to them, they've let me use their facilities. They've offered their total help whenever I need it. Uh, as long as they have all the resources in place that if uh, if they have to respond to something, they can still go do that. Um, the Wilmette Yacht Club there, they let me use their facilities as well. And the staff there helps me clean and, and get the boat ready or the buoy ready. Um, and then the, one of our partners on the Michigan City buoy, Carrie Troy in the Civil Engineering Lab, him and his students like David Cannon, they are instrumental in getting the buoys prepped during the winter. So if it weren't for those guys, I would just have a empty chunk of fiberglass to haul out <laughs> there. So they, they do a lot of work behind the scenes and I really appreciate all the effort they put in. So Cool. And Carrie Troy, um, his students do what kind of research out on the lake? Uh, he's a hydrologist um, in civil engineering, I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh he's interested in like the, the movements of water out there so he he does a lot of different things looking at like wave motion and turbulent mixing and that kind of stuff so awesome so yeah. i assume they use the buoy data a lot they do yeah they especially early on they use it a whole lot so yeah, it is amazing the amount of help we get from people in terms of retrieving and deploying and all this academic help. And those students, uh, you know, I know they love the buoys and the work they do is, is really important. And a lot of times they're doing it for free or just out of interest. That's amazing. And then I know we have a lot of partners who help with like the website, the data gathering too, right? Yeah, within Sea Grant, we have a lot of help with uh, Angie Archer and Carolyn Foley. They help a lot. Um, additionally, we have uh, Gloss, which hosts our data and they help fund some of the early buoy work we did. And Limnotech has been instrumental in some of the technical aspects of the buoys. So they helped with the early part of the grants on the Wilmette buoy. And also anytime I have problems, I can call up uh, Limnotech and they'll, they'll help me out as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. And if anybody wants to hear more about Gloss, I encourage you, encourage you to go to teachmeaboutthegreatlakes.com slash 10. Because last week, part one of this two-part buoy extravaganza, we interviewed the CEO of Gloss, uh, Kelly Page is her name. Well, Jay, it, these buoys are awesome, as you know. I love the buoys. Everybody loves the buoys. But that's not why we brought you on to Teach Me About the Great Lakes. We brought you on to Teach Me About the Great Lakes to answer this question and only this question, except, of course, for the next question. And that is this. If you could choose to either have a great donut for breakfast or a great sandwich for lunch, but not both, which would you choose? I think I'd have to go with a donut for sure. A donut, a rare yeah. donut choice. Okay. Yeah. Tell me uh, what kind of donut and where from, since we live in the same town, I need oh. to know where to up my donut game. Well, the problem is our, our town doesn't have a great donut in my opinion, but 
There's I've had several great really? donuts in my life. Yeah, there's a. Have you not been to Mary Lou Donuts? I have, and we can talk about that maybe another time. <laughs> we, can, oh. we can do better than Mary Lou Donuts. <laughs> yes, yes. There's um, over in Muncie, if you're up for a short drive, there's Cannons, Cannons Bakery, which has an excellent, I don't know if they call it a Long John or a Cream Stick or whatever. I think there's a lot of different variations of, of those, but they're pretty good. Um Speaking, since we were talking about Indiana bakeries, have you been to Long's Bakery in Indy? I have not. Ooh, oh, you got to. your new one. You got to go oh, try You got to have a Long's cream stick. <laughs> and then the other question we always like to ask is, uh, what is one piece of life advice you might have for our listeners? It can be serious or silly, you know, big or little uh, life advice, but we want to, you know, give everybody something to take home with them to help them live a better, uh, live a better life. <laughs> well... What I always try to do, especially working a lot with students and uh, sometimes less than ideal conditions, is to, uh, when things aren't going well, try to maintain a sense of humor. No matter how frustrated or irritated you are, it's best to be able to laugh at yourself and move on to the next problem without a lot of stress. Um, And sometimes you can internalize that stress for those around you, (laughs) as long as you have a healthy way to release it. But it's important to stay relaxed and and laugh as problems come up. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jay. That's really great. And that obviously is something that's uh, important to us is maintaining a sense of humor. Well, Jay, if people want to find out more about the buoys, where should they go? IICgrant.org. IICgrant.org. And you can also follow the buoys, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash two yellow buoys. That's T-W-O-Y-E-L-L-O-W-B. O-U-Y-S. Nope. B-U-O. No, no, just don't spell it out. (laughs) The point is the two is spelled out. Anyway, this pandemic thing has really got to go. Anyway, and twitter.com slash two yellow buoys, which uh, with the two spelled out, T-W-O, followed by the spelling of yellow and buoy, which everybody knows. Well, if you want to find out more information, you should really talk to the buoys themselves. Yeah, that'd be nice if we could. I'll let you know when that sensor comes through. In the meantime, Jay Begley, Aquatic Ecology Specialist for Illinois Indiana Sea Grant, thanks so much for coming on and teaching us about the Great Lakes. It's always nice to talk to Jay about the buoys. It really is. I mean, I, I mentioned it a couple of times, but just one of the coolest things we do and people sure do love them. Yeah. We get emails about them all the time, yeah. especially if we're a little late getting them out on the water like yeah. we are this year. Yeah. People under understanding because of the pandemic, but that doesn't mean that they're patient, right? <laughs> uh, great. So Hope, what is something that you learned about the Great Lakes today? Well, Hello, I... Stuart and Hope. What? what? Hello? What was that? Hi. Hope, are you, are you hearing something? Yeah, it sounds very robotic, though. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, Jay hung up. I, don't... I am the Michigan City buoy, buoy 45,170. Whoa! Whoa! What? Michigan City buoy, how are you? And I am the Wilmette buoy, buoy 45,174. Wilmette buoy, is that Whoa. you too? Yes. Well, this is an unbelievable opportunity. I didn't know y'all were available right now. Are you excited to get back to the lake? Yes. <laughs> I think everybody else is excited for you to get back to the lake, too. <laughs> yes, they sure are. Well, this is great. I, I assume your time is limited, but but uh, this is a, what a wonderful thing for us to be able to talk to you. What would you say you're, you know, people are always talking to us about the buoys, want to know about the buoys. What What is the thing you're most proud of as a buoy? How pretty we are. 
it's undeniable. <laughs> yes, we are very pretty. <laughs> but we also collect lots of great data that people use. <laughs> no, I agree. You do collect a, a whole lot of data for, for a ton of people out there uh, that people found, find to be really valuable. Uh, what in terms of like the people, who are some of their favorite people that you get to work with or that you collect data for? Sailors. Sometimes they visit us and that is cool. <laughs> we love surfers. Oh, cool. Do people surf out on Lake Michigan? I didn't even know. Yes. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> <laughs> it is totally nuts. So I'm sure you haven't seen any surfers lately because of the pandemic. Um it must be nice that you two don't have to worry about changing your routine much because you're out of the water, you're all by yourselves. But does it ever get lonely out on the lake when you are out on the water? A bit. But we have lots of friends all over the lakes. We do competitions with them all over the summer. Yes, the buoy data game. Watch for it on Wednesdays whenever we get in the water. Well, buoys, I mean, I, you know, having you on, we have to take this opportunity. You're out there collecting data all the time, you know, thinking a lot about what it is to live in the Great Lakes and to be in the Great Lakes. Do you have any life advice that you'd like to give our listeners or any, uh, anybody else out there? You know, it could be big or little, uh, important or trivial, but what's a good piece of life advice that you have? Stuart, we are not alive. But the Great Lakes are awfully beautiful and you should take care of them. If only to keep us in a job. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Well, two yellow buoys, thank you so much for coming on and teaching us all about the Great Lakes. And we can't wait to talk to you again at some point. You're welcome. We enjoyed crashing your party. And we're glad that Jay will put us back out soon. As are we. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Hope, where can people go to find out more information about <laughs> this super duper program and this amazing show that we host? You can find more find out more about us on our website at iicgrant.org, or you can find us on social media if you search for Illinois Indiana Sea Grant or use the handle at I-L-I-N-C-Grant. And if people want to follow you personally, where should they go? Um, if you really want to, I am at H-O-P-E-K-Y-R-A, Hope Kira. Hope Kira. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Keep laking those greats and keep grating those lakes. <laughs> and thus ends my career. <laughs>